Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Well, I'm so grateful for Pastor Keith and his passion and vision for not only marriage, but also for family and for Pastor Chris and all the opportunities and resources that they're providing for us, and I hope you take advantage of them as well. When we started this series a few weeks back, we made the statement that every person in here is married. Because if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are married to Jesus. And I don't know about you, but Jesus is the best spouse anybody could ever have, period. But obviously marriage is a gift that God gave between one man, one woman for life. But it's also a representation of, for the world of what Jesus and the church is. Because the church is the bride of Christ. He gave his life for his church and to sacrifice. But also being single is a representation because it says, I am setting myself apart, the church setting themselves apart for God, the same way I'm setting myself apart to serve God in every shape and form. So whether you're married or single, it should be our goal in all of our relationships that we honor Christ and point everything to him, amen? Absolutely. So when we talk about principles, obviously we're talking today about principles in marriage, but they're really principles in every area of relationships. And there's four principles we're going to look at that I think you'll find helpful. You know, Reader's Digest a little while back had an article where they took the number one question that marriage counselors are asked when couples come in for marriage counseling, and here's the question. Why don't we love each other the way we used to? It's a great question. Here's the reality. If you're married... Every marriage that's represented here is going one of two directions. It's either growing closer together or it's growing apart. Everyone. Our goal is obviously that we can help you grow closer together. In doing so, though, we have to talk about something today, and here's what we're talking about. It takes work. (laughs) Say that with me. It takes work. In fact, everything worthwhile in your and my life is always uphill. Let me say it again. Everything worthwhile in every area of your and my life is always uphill. I'm going to say it a third time. Everything worthwhile in your and my life is always where? So if you want to get in shape physically, lose weight and get in shape, uphill or downhill? How about you want to get out of debt and get yourself strong financially, uphill or downhill? Absolutely. How about spiritually? You want to get strong spiritually, uphill or downhill? How about your marriage? Always uphill. In fact, if you're not going uphill, you are already going downhill. Last weekend, Pastor Keith shared that verse out of Proverbs that says, all homes are built on two things, wisdom, understanding. I like that. So as we talk about marriage today, we're going to say that marriage is built on three things, wisdom, understanding, and a lot of work. (laughs) Because that's exactly what it is. Now, the reason it's a lot of work is because It just doesn't happen automatically. How how many of you in school took a class that was Successful Marriage 101? Wasn't offered at USF, I'll promise you that. How about a class on having a marriage of a lifetime? Didn't take it. So unfortunately what happens and how most people learn about marriage is sometimes obviously from parents, which sometimes is not a great example, or from television, maybe from movies, social media. Can we agree there's not a lot of wisdom and understanding in those venues? So we're we're at a point, and, and so here's the reality of where you and I are at in our marriage, whatever that state is. 
Now, here's a statement that maybe you might not like, like I did not like it. One time a gentleman said to me, he said, Reed, he said, wherever you're at in every area of your life is exactly where you've chosen to be. I said, uh, no, I don't agree with that one. Because where I was at financially and where I was at in my marriage was not where I wanted to be. He said, no, no, I didn't say it's where you wanted to be. He said, I said it's where you've chosen to be. He said, because the reality is this, Reed, who put a gun to your head and forced you to date Cindy? Who put a gun to your head and made you marry her? Who made you react the way you reacted or did the things you did? He said, you chose every one of those, Reed. Now, here's the good news. If that's not the best spot you want to be in, you and I can make different choices. Am I right? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Because when we look at relationships of, of any kind, we have to understand that, that where we're at is only part of it. I heard a guy say this a while back. He said, if somebody has something you don't have, it's because they know something you don't know. Hmm. So if you look across and you see somebody that looks like they have a better marriage, it's not because they have a better spouse. It's because they know something you don't know. So what is it that we don't know? Well, today we're going to talk about four principles out of God's word on growing all relationships, single or married. But if you apply them to marriage, I promise you, you're going to grow and you're going to learn. Who's ready to learn today? Okay, let's tell that to God. <sighs> Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the gift of this day, the gift of breath, of life, of relationships, most of all the relationship with you, but at least I'm going to admit to myself and to you that this is hard because, God, I'm just at the core of who I am. I'm selfish. It's about me. And God, I need you to give me a new mind. I need you to give me a new heart. I need to know what I don't know. And so God... As we walk through your word today, would your Holy Spirit speak into our lives? And maybe for each person here, would you point to each of us the area that you really want us to work on? Maybe the relationship you want us to work on. Maybe it is our spouse. Maybe it's someone else. And God, will hear it and we'll apply it. And we thank you in advance. And all God's people said. So I encourage you to take notes because you might go back to these, but also you always want to learn to teach. You always want to learn to teach. Here's the first principle we're going to talk about. For our marriages to stay growing together, you have to pay attention. Say those two words with me. Pay attention. Proverbs 27 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's verse 23 and 24. I'm going to read out of the New American Standard. Here's what it says. Know well the condition of your flocks and pay attention to your herds. For riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. I'm going to read it again. Know well the condition of your flocks, pay attention to your herds, for riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. How many of you grew up in a farm, farming area where there was livestock of any form? Okay, it could be cattle, sheep, pigs, it doesn't matter what it was. Let me ask you, if you had livestock, how many times did you check the gates? Was it once a month? Once every two weeks, once a week. How often did you check gates? Every day. Once a day? Possibly more times during the day. Because how big of an opening does an animal need to get out? Can we agree? And if you've ever grown up on a farm, you probably had the call at some point in time from a neighbor saying, hey, just FYI, all your cattle are in my place. I mean, that's what happens. Now, 
when that call came, usually dad would say, who didn't check the gate? That's what it meant. Somebody didn't check a gate. See, in a farming situation, you have to pay attention constantly. How much more in marriage? I'm going to give you the read revised version of this proverb, okay? My version would say this. Know well the condition of your marriage and pay attention to your spouse. If you don't, marriage will not be forever, nor will it endure to the next generation. In fact, write this down. Attention means love. When we say pay attention, attention means love. See, your attention is one of the most loving things you can give to anybody. It shows that you care. It shows that, that they are meaningful to you. In fact, have you been in a conversation with somebody that as you were talking, you know, they weren't paying attention to you at all? Have you been in that conversation? Now, if they're sitting right next to you right now, don't look at them right now. But you know what I'm talking about. Like, you're not, you're not listening to a word I'm saying, are you? Uh, I mean, it, it happens. See, when you give somebody your attention, you're actually giving them part of your life. You're giving the most important thing to you, and that's your time. Time's the most precious thing. You can never get time back. So when you give attention to somebody, you're actually giving them something that you can never give back. It means the world to them. And if you're married, you used to do that a lot before you got married. You used to pay attention to them a lot. My wife and I met as juniors in high school. She was my chemistry lab partner. I really do mean it when I say I fell in love first day I saw her. She's the only girl I ever dated. She came in the room. I cocked an eye at her, and she cocked an eye at me, and we sat there looking cockeyed at each other. <laughs> I mean, it was over. I, I, I paid attention. I couldn't get my eyes off her. In fact, still to this day, she'll ask me at different times, why are you staring at me? Because you're gorgeous. I mean, because I like to. I mean, I still want to pay that kind of attention. You ever heard the adage, she caught my eye? That's what it means, that she caught my attention. There's an interesting verse in 1 Corinthians out of the message version, I think it says, well, that I think is key. It says this, marriage involves you in all the nuts and bolts of domestic life and in wanting to please your spouse, leading to so many more demands on your attention. How many of you would agree that you have a lot of demands on your attention in the course of a day? Oh, I mean, everybody wants your attention. Anybody on social media wants your attention? Man, TV shows want your attention. Your boss wants your attention. Your kids want your attention. And so usually what happens by the time we've given all that attention away, unfortunately for our spouse, there's not much left. It didn't start that way, though. Man, when you were dating, man, that was your attention. Maybe it was because you gave flowers or you gave gifts. How many of you would admit, if you're married, that at some point in time you talked ridiculous amounts of time on the phone? Okay, much longer than you should have, okay? Now, my era, the phone was on the wall, okay, right? Any of you remember that one? The phone was on the wall and had an extension cord 85 feet long. You could go all the way throughout the house and find a door, find a room that no one's in and close it. Maybe it was the bathroom so you could talk, you know, kind of thing. But you used to do that. You used to talk all the time. You paid attention to them. Maybe for some of you, you wrote letters and back forth to each other. Now, for those younger people, I need to explain it. What a letter is, is you take a piece of paper, you take a pen, you actually write words on it, put an envelope, and mail it to a physical address. That's crazy, you know. But maybe that's what you did. You wrote letters and cards. You paid attention to each other. Why? Man, because that was the only thing you could think of and see. 
And then you got married and got distracted. And now it becomes text and post-it notes. Love you, love you. Just put that over and in. Say this after me if you would. I show I care by staying aware. See, if our marriage is going to keep growing or any relationship, we have to figure out ways to keep our attention focused on the most important thing next to Jesus, and that is our spouse. Now, there's two reasons why giving attention is so important, especially in marriage. One is because you love them. <laughs> okay, that's a, that's a good reason. You care about them, but you also want them to become everything God created them to be. You want to help them build that in them. But there's a second reason I think we don't always understand, and that is because sometimes God will speak through your spouse. That's a key one. See, if I'm a follower of Jesus, then I have to believe something, because God's word says it, that God directs my steps. Here's what it says in Psalm 37. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their life. So who directs our steps? God, he's involved in every detail of life. If I believe that, then here's what I have to believe. I did not choose Cindy. God chose Cindy for me. That's what I have to believe. Because he orchestrates every detail of my life. That means he knew exactly what I needed to become the person he created me to become. And Cindy's so different than I am. He needed that to grow that in me. Now, our spouses do not complete us. We talked about that two weeks ago. Only God can do that. But I believe this, that God wants to speak to us through our spouse if we'll let him. See, Job 33 says this, God speaks in different ways and we don't always recognize his voice. I wonder how many times I have missed God's voice because he was trying to speak to me through my spouse and I was not ready to pay attention to listen. How many of you ever driven, been driving, and you almost hit a car because they were in your blind spot? That, that happens to me a lot. And Cindy, is, she has helped me out a lot because she's saved me from accidents. When I'm ready, I, I look, I look, but then she goes, wait, wait, wait. Nope, there's a car. Great. I need that because I have blind spots in my life. I have, how many of you have blind spots in your life? We all do. If you didn't raise your hand, you have a blind spot real bad. I need others to point it out to me. I need a life group. I need accountability. I need my spouse who can speak into me if I let them. And here's the deal. I think God wants to get our attention, and he'll use the closest and loudest megaphone right next to us, and that's our spouse. So the first thing in growing a relationship is we need to pay attention. Say those two words. Pay attention. Here's the second thing. For our marriages to keep growing, you have to keep making adjustments. You have to keep what? Now, I don't know if you know this or not, and I've found a lot of people don't, that there is a store in New York City that opened a little while back. It's called the Husband Store. It's for women who are looking for a husband. Okay, didn't know if you knew this. There's actually instructions as the women come to the store. Here's what the instructions say. You may visit this store only once. There are six floors, and the value of the husbands increase as the shopper ascends the flights. The shopper may choose from any husband on any particular floor, but you can only choose to go up to the next floor. You cannot go back down to a previous store, and you only can pick one husband, obviously. Okay? So those instructions. So a woman went to the husband's store. Here's what the first floor said. 
These men have jobs. It's a starting point. It's a starting point. She goes, okay, but nah, I want more. I want more. So she went to the second floor. Here's what the second floor said. These men have jobs and love kids. Oh, okay, well, I, I like that. I like that, but no, nah, it's still not enough. I want more. So she went up to the third floor. Third floor said, these men have jobs, love kids, and are drop-dead good looking. Wow. She's almost tempted to, she goes, no, I, I, I still want more. I still want more. She goes up to the fourth floor. Floor four reads this. These men have jobs, love kids, are drop-dead good looking, and help with housework. Oh, man. Some people might be thinking, I stopped at the floor too low. But, but she goes, oh, man, that's great. That's great. Nope, I still, I still, there's something more I want. And so she goes to floor number five. It says this, these men have jobs, love kids, are drop-dead good-looking, help with housework, and have a strong romantic streak. Man, she says, I think I've, I, no, I, I, I still want more. And she goes up to floor number six, and this is what it reads. You are visitor number 131,456,012 to this floor. There are no men on this floor because perfect men do not exist. Thank you for shopping at the husband's store. Please exit the building. <laughs> well, and to avoid gender bias, the same owner opened up a wife store across the street. Same principle. Floor number one for the men who are looking for a wife, floor number one said this, wives that love sex. Floor number two said wives that love sex and have money and like football and fishing. The third, fourth, fifth, and sixth floors have never been visited. <laughs> Here's the deal. No spouse is perfect. Your spouse is not perfect. How do I know your spouse is not perfect? They married you. Ha, there. But the reality is this. Friends, if we want to understand what God's going to do, we have to understand that we have to adjust because we're different. Nobody's perfect. And life has adjustments. So kids come, kids grow, kids think, kids go. Job changes. There's health challenges. Maybe now we're parenting parents ourselves. All of this are adjustments in life. Sometimes maybe it's adjustments just that happen within us as we get older. If you're new to Celebrate, both Pastor Keith and myself have been married to multiple different women in our lifetime. Okay, now fortunately, his has all been named Kay, and mine have all been named Cindy. But the reality is this, we're different people than we were when we got married. Every time we go another decade, man, our, we hopefully mature, our perspective changes. You see what I'm saying? I hear sometimes people say, well, they're not the person that I married. Yay! I'm glad Cindy's current husband is not the guy she married. That guy was a jerk. See, we need to change. We need to make adjustments. We need to grow. Now, adjustments aren't easy, but they're important. What, what adjustments look like? Here's a few adjustments. It means looking at the other person's needs first rather than my needs. How many are willing to admit that you're selfish at heart? I am. The Bible says we all are. So when I get in the morning, it's about me, my needs, my. Then the Bible says, no, 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 no. It's about the other person first. In fact, here's what Galatians 6 says. Carry each other's burdens and so you will fulfill the law of Christ. Here's another adjustment. It's about thinking what the other person needs most. Not just first, but what they need most. 
rather than, again, mine. Maybe this is in the areas of love languages. Uh, if, you've, if you've never read the book, The Five Love Languages, let me highly recommend it. It changed my life. I was acluistic. That means without a clue. I had no clue on this at all. So obviously, I was trying to get my spouse to speak in my love language instead of understanding that hers is so different than mine, I need to do what she has most in that way. Here's what it says in Philippians 2. Look out for one another's interest and not just your own. You need to adjust. Here's another one. It means to submitting to one another, giving up our rights. We don't like this one. Here at the church, we call it mutual voluntary submission, MVS. We talk about that as a staff a lot, which means this. I voluntarily submit my rights to that person in building a relationship. Now, that's what Jesus did for us, am I right? He gave up his rights, came down, died for us. He says, do likewise. That means in my relationship with my wife, I submit my rights to her. She submits her rights to me. We submit to each other and we submit to God. When you do that, God moves. In fact, here's what Ephesians 5 says. Honor Christ by submitting to each other. It's an adjustment. Now, some years back, there was a newspaper column called Dear Abby. Any of you remember Dear Abby at all? Maybe you do, yeah. And so people would write into Dear Abby, and she would give a response. This was one of the people wrote in and said, Dear Abby, I'm 40 years old. I'd like to meet a mature man my age with no bad habits. Signed, Rose. Abby responded, Dear Rose, so would I. See, here's the reality. Nobody's perfect, but everybody is selfish. And it takes adjustment to be unselfish and to learn that one of the great lessons of life is how to submit to each other. In fact, 1 John 3 says it this way. Our love should not just be words and talk. It must be true love which shows itself in action. Can I give you a couple suggestions on a couple adjustments if you'd be willing to make that I think would revolutionize your marriage and would actually revolutionize any relationship you have with anybody? I just say this because in the 44 years of ministry now, I've sat down with lots of couples, and very few have I seen do these two, but if they would, it would change it. Here's the first adjustment I, I just encourage you to think about. Pray together. Just pray together. Very seldom when I talk to couples do I say, when I say, do you pray together? Very seldom do I hear that. Now, they might say a prayer of thanks before a meal because the kids are around kind of thing, but praying together. Can I say, man, make the adjustment. Now, you might go, I know, but that's not comfortable for me. I know it's adjustment. I know, I know. But God will do things you can't imagine when you do that. For Cindy and I, it's every morning, every night. I can't leave the house. She can't leave the house in the morning until we've held hands, prayed together. We can't go to bed. One of us can't go to bed until we've prayed hands, held hands, and prayed together. When you pray together, the Holy Spirit now can do things. And it may be the day was this, and he can just take it and okay, I'm just going to take it from you, okay? Whatever it gives me. But when you pray, now you let the Holy Spirit work inside you. If you'll make that one adjustment, it will change so much of your life. If you are not in a relationship yet or you're in a relationship that you think marriage might be, start now. Start now. Make that adjustment. Pray together. Here's a second adjustment, man, I'd encourage you, and that is learn together. Learn together. We talked about earlier the fact that you didn't take a class on how to be a husband or a wife, and maybe growing up, your parents were not an example at all. So how are you going to learn? We'll learn together. It could be by coming to a marriage date night, taking classes with Pastor Keith. It could be reading a book, a marriage book together. We'd love to give you resources and books to read. 
that was a big thing for me. I, my dad left when I was in high school. I didn't know how to be a husband. I had to learn through books. If you don't learn from books and for things like that, you're going to learn by mistakes. It's not a good way to learn. And so Cindy and I will have our time tomorrow. We go through a marriage book. We each read a chapter. We come together and we'll say, what'd you learn? What'd you learn? And now listen to each other. What is God saying? What's God speaking? And, and what are you learning? So maybe I can learn from you as well. If you'll make those two adjustments of, of praying together and learning together, oh, friends, it'll be so different for you. It absolutely will. So if you want to have a growing marriage, you pay attention, you make adjustments. Here's the third one. The third principle for our marriages to keep growing together, you have to keep showing affection. Keep showing what? In fact, if you're married, go ahead and kiss them right now. Go ahead. I give you permission. All right. I said once. I didn't say, like, make out. My word. Some of you. Holy cow. Romans 12 says this. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. I think we'd all agree that falling in love is easier than staying in love. Agreed? But in order to stay in love, you have to keep falling in love again. It's a repetitive process. Song of Solomon is a great book in the Bible that talks about this love relationship. And in chapter 2, the female is describing her lover, her boyfriend, okay? And here's what she says. Listen to this. His left hand is under my head. His right hand embraces me. It's a showing of affection. That's in chapter 2. Now, six chapters later, in chapter 8, they're married. They've had a life together. Here's what she says. His left hand is under my head. His right hand embraces me. The exact same thing. They keep showing affection over and over again. I I like movies, but my favorite one-liner of any movie, any movie, I'm sorry, it's just me. It's Sweet Home Alabama. It's a chick flick. I know. I know, I know. But it's the line at the end when the guy says, why would you want to marry me? And she says, so I can kiss you anytime I want. I love that line. Why did I marry Cindy? So I can kiss her anytime I want. But it's a showing of affection, continually showing it. See, if, if you have a fireplace and you want to keep it lit, you better put more wood on. It's not going to stay lit. So what does that look like? I'm going to sound like a broken record. I apologize, but I don't apologize. Everything in life is habits. Wherever in any area of life, it's habits. If you work on habits, everything will be improved. Here are the four habits. Daily, weekly, monthly, yearly of showing affection. Daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. You've heard some of these before. Daily. We've talked about praying together. Can I encourage you to do another thing each day? Be thankful. Thank each other. This is my card. I keep this card with me in my planner. I have a duplicate on my phone. Whenever I have a few minutes, I pull this out. Could be at a doctor's office. I'm at a red light. I go ahead and read it. The guy behind me will let me know when the light turns. I never have to worry about it. So, but on this list are the top 10 reasons I love my wife. The reasons I'm thankful for her. I have them on my phone as well. And I will come back and I will remind myself of it. Do you think in the years of marriage, do you think I've ever been in a spot where I had to remind myself why I love her? (laughs) Sure, because we're different. People are different. She has a similar list. She has to read a lot more than I do, okay, to remind herself. 
but not just remember, but then to speak it on a continuing basis. Hey, thank you for this. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. Because sometimes, can we agree, we take people for granted, and many times those closest to us. Can I encourage you? Daily, pray together, be thankful. Here's weekly. Have a day time. Have a day time. Get away. You don't have to spend money. Just a time away. Holding hands, just talking, just being together. The time where you can show each other attention. You can pay attention to each other rather than, how was your day? Good. How was your day? Good. Great. Okay. Anything else? Okay. Bye. I mean, that's what happens sometimes in life. No. A daily time. Affirmations. Okay. We talked about that. But then weekly date. Here's monthly. Monthly is we talk about learning together. Listen to each other. Each month, listen. That means take the things that you're learning. Maybe come to marriage date night. I encourage you on Friday. Come. Can I see this? The speakers you're going to hear are phenomenal. The Mullins are phenomenal. They pass their church of 30,000. I think they can teach us some things. Okay. But maybe then it's setting up a time after the course of the next month. What'd you learn? What, what struck? What are you learning through the book? Learn to listen to each other. So daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, get away. Get away together without the kids. Get away, just the two of you. Man, pay attention, make adjustments, but in that case, show affection. Well, here's the last one. For our marriages to keep growing together, we also then have to keep giving affirmations. Keep giving what? Repeat if you would. What I feed grows. Simple. You know, growing up on the farm, Every now and then we'd have a stray dog come on the farm or a stray cat. Whose dog is that? Whose cat is that? The answer was always the same. Ours if we feed it. Am I right? You want a lot of cats? Start feeding them. Word gets out. They, they get it out. Want a bunch of dogs? Start feeding them. They will get the word out. Because whatever you feed grows always including your relationships, especially your marriage. Hebrews 3 says this, encourage each other every day while it is today. I love that verse. How often should we encourage each other, does it say? Every day, encourage each other every day while it is today. Because here's the reality, you and I both know this, people become what you say. People become what you say. If you have a child and you tell the child, you are so stupid, I can't believe that. I, you're such a loser. That will grow in that child. You and I both know that. You say that to anybody, it grows. What you speak grows. What are you saying to your spouse? What they're good at or what the weaknesses are? What you appreciate or what? I mean, that's what happens. You know, sometimes that might not be your kind of easy thing to go to. It was, reminds me of the story of the three men that took their wives out for Valentine's Day and they took them to a restaurant. They're all about 50 years old. And so they all get seated and pretty soon the one man looks at his wife and he says, would you pass me the sugar? Sugar? The girls go, oh. The other two guys go like, gag me. Oh, my word. But now the pressure's on because he did it. So the second guy looks at his wife and says, would you pass me the honey? Honey? girls, ah! The third guy is sweating bullets. I mean, like, what? This is not how he's used to operate. He just, what am I supposed to say? He finally looks at his wife and goes, 
Would you pass me the tea bag? Okay, don't use that one. Don't use that one, okay? But what can you say? There was this on your chair. Would you pull it out for a moment? We're talking about in all relationships, what are things you can do to give affirmations? Can I encourage you to adopt some of these? Look at the first one. I'm wrong. <laughs> How many world problems would be solved, nation conflicts would be solved if someone would just say, I'm wrong? You know what I'm saying? Doesn't happen. How about the next one? I'm sorry. Man, just to say I'm sorry. In fact, all of us right now, let's say those two together. Here we go. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Good. I've just proven that you can say it. You, it is possible for you to say it. You've just said it. Because for some people, that's hard for them to say, man, can I give you a word of encouragement? Just each morning, when you wake up, turn over, look at your wife and just say, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Just say it because you're going to do something. You're going to do something that day. Just get it out right away. But you be generous with that. But look at the others. How about this one? I believe in you. Do you know something? I will crawl over broken glass if I know that someone believes in me. It doesn't have to be just your spouse. It could be your children. It could be anything else. How about this one? I'm proud of you. Now, I see parents do it all the time with their kids, and yay for doing it. Little Johnny just played a sport. He was terrible. But you don't say that. You don't say, hey, Johnny, probably don't want to punch that kid, okay? Just next time, just be a little less aggressive. But I'm proud of you. Good job, buddy. I mean, you say I'm proud of you. How much more do your, do your spouse need that, that I'm proud of you? I'm proud to be your husband. I'm proud to be your wife. How about, thank you. We talked about that one. How about I need you? My word. When people know they're needed, they will do anything for that. How about I trust you? I respect you? Then, of course, I love you. What if today you picked out one of those and you said, okay, I'm going to focus on making sure I say that. Maybe it's not just even to your spouse. Maybe it's to somebody else. Maybe it's thank you to the person that serves you today. Or, man, I respect you. Thanks for what you're doing. It could be a variety of things. Man, those words mean everything when you affirm people. There's three things I just want to quickly touch on that I think we need to affirm in people including especially our spouses. Number one, their value. Affirm their value. See, what you appreciate won't depreciate. If, if you just let something go, let's say you let your yard go, you let your house go, never touch it for three years. Uh, it's, don't think it's going to appreciate, okay? It will depreciate easily. How much more your marriage, how much more your relationships, your family. Find out ways that you can appreciate. Here's what Proverbs 12 says. A word of encouragement does wonders. What, what if we treated our spouses like the most incredible gift on earth that God has given us outside of salvation? What would that be like? Because you know what? They are. They are that. It's God's greatest gift to us. How about valuing and affirming now, secondly, their strengths? We all said we're, we're different. My word, we're all different. But don't focus on the differences. Focus on their strengths. Focus on what they do well. 
man, I appreciate you for doing this. Thank you for this. I value because of why you do this. Man, there's 101 things you could say they do wrong. Don't focus on that. Focus on their strengths. Pastor Key says it this way. Don't nag and said brag and don't give pokes. Instead, give strokes. The last thing to affirm is their ministry, which means that God has a purpose for them. Say that, man, see, to encourage them, say, you know, I'm so grateful for how you serve in this area. I'm so grateful that I see you're growing in your relationship with God. I, I'm grateful that you're spending time in God's work. Thank you that you pray. I mean, encourage them that way. Here's what Romans 1 says. I want us to help each other with the faith that we have. Your faith will help me, and my faith will help you. See, here's what I believe with all my heart. Whether you're single or you're married, you can grow your relationships. And God wants to have you have a relationship in marriage that is forever and a lifetime. I believe that. But in order to do that, the four things we talked about, you have to pay attention. You have to make adjustments. You have to, at that point, thou start showing affection, and you have to give affirmation. And when you do that, hang on, friends. It's going to be unbelievable. You know, I know that there's a reality that maybe for some of you here that are married, you're in a very difficult spot right now. And... Uh, it is not a good spot. I understand that. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to walk along with you. But can I encourage you this? It's not over. It's not over. I can drive you to the exact spot 35 years ago when I realized my marriage was done. I can tell you the exact spot when I realized it was over. She had nothing. There's nothing left. Because of my addiction, because of my insecurities, my controlling spirit, it's all, it was all on me. Man, but I saw it happen to my folks. I didn't want that again. Okay, I got to change. I have got to change. And that was a long journey. That was a hard journey. It took work for me. I had to go to counseling. I had to do a lot of things. But man, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Let me ask you one last question. What's your number? If you're married... What's your number? Two weeks ago, Pastor Chris asked people to stand according to the number of years that they were married, okay? And the last people got a gift certificate. That was wonderful. Personally, one of my goals, someday I want Cindy and I to be the last one standing. That's one of my goals. I want to be the last one standing when they do that. Now, I might look at Cindy and say, why are we standing? <laughs> I mean, I, I might be that way. Okay, but at least we're standing. But here's the reality. Whatever your number is, that's not your number. It's not your number. It's only the start of number that your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren are going to add to. When our daughter got married, her and her husband Chad, the night of their wedding rehearsal, had a chance just to talk into them and said, hey, tomorrow you're getting married and you think you're going to start year number one. You think that your number tomorrow is one. It's not. Your number tomorrow is 256. That's your number tomorrow. Because that's how many years your parents and grandparents have collectively been married. You're adding your one to 246. In essence, don't blow it. That's the number. What number do you want? Man, what would it be like for you to build a marriage that is such an example 
to your children and your grandchildren that their numbers of marriage add on and add on and add on, that the number would be in the hundreds and over generations, over generations, over generations, over generations would be in the thousands. That's what I want. A marriage that is forever and a lifetime. And it can be. That's why I think it's so appropriate that we have communion. Because everything is predicated on what Jesus did for us. So if you have your communion elements, you want to get them ready. If you don't have uh, elements, just raise your hand and one of the ushers will get it to you. We simply do what Jesus did for us. Jesus died for us. We die to ourselves and serve our spouse. That's why Paul said this. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Go ahead and take the bread. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Go ahead and drink. Dear Jesus, thank you that in everything that happens, you set the ultimate example. That you paid attention to us even before we were born. You knew us as from the foundations of the world. You've paid attention to us. God, you made adjustments. You came from heaven. And you died on a cross for me, for us. You constantly show affection constantly, overwhelmingly show us that. And then you give affirmation through your word of, of who we can become and what we were created to be in you. So God, you've set the example. God, would you help us now to live it out in all of our relationships, but especially in the relationship of marriage. God, that our marriages would be so centered and such an example of, of you alive in us that people would just want to know, you know how can you do that? In doing so, that they would meet you and they, they could also be you as well. So God, thank you that your love for us is forever in a lifetime. And God, that our marriages would be the same. So we love you. We thank you. We praise you. And we're grateful. And all God's people said, amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.